0: Section 18 of Unknown London. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. Unknown London by Walter George Bell chapter eighteen a london household of a d thirteen thirty seven london has preserved its archives in an unbroken series for a longer period probably than any other city in the world and there is hardly an incident arising in the lives of citizens long centuries back which is not illustrated in one or other of the vast accumulation of documents at guildhall i have picked out two or three to tell from them the brief life story of hugh le Bever. the tragedy of it interests me less than the light which the parchments throw upon the domestic surroundings of a humble household close upon six hundred years ago hugh le Bever might have been one of the many skilled craftsmen of london laboring long hours at his trade while daylight lasted and bound to his guild and his master what that trade was whether sporier, cutler glover pelterer i had small chance of telling for the figures only as felon but with such exemplary completeness are the city records kept that i was able to find a will dated seven years later of another citizen to whom his tenement passed and therein you is described as vintner he was living ten years after king edward the third had ascended the english throne the year thirteen thirty seven in a house that stood in the ward of candlewick street which now we call cannon street within the city's encircling wall murder was done there the neighbors breaking in found the wife alice lying stark and dead upon the floor a knife was flung into the corner and hugh he was childless and perhaps but recently married crouched beside the corpse he would say nothing nor would he plead when indicted before the coroner and the sheriffs and why that crime was committed and whether you les bevaires, was blood guilty none to this day can tell the king's judiciaries, finding him still obdurate quote, he refused the law of england quote, committed him to the jail of newgate there in penance to remain until he should be dead penance as understood in mediaeval days was close and solitary confinement with an unvarying and insufficient ration of bread and water horrible enough i grant but it lacks the revolting torture of the press yard introduced in a later and what should have been a more refined age when in that same jail of newgate the practice was to place heavy weights upon the body and press to death felons who sought to defeat the course of law refusing to plead i have myself tramped over the press-yard at the demolition of dance's prison then still bearing its horrid name this crime of murder was committed on the last days of october 1337 and two months later on the 27th december hugh le bevair was dead meanwhile the sheriffs had seized his possessions and these they sold first drawing up an inventory which sets out with the order of a housekeeper's book the domestic arrangements of this fourteenth-century household the vintner made good money for his furniture and clothing were apprised at the value of twelve pounds eighteen shillings four pence a sum in the then money value far above the competence of any of the poorer workers to amass the house consisted of two apartments one above the other the lower room which was kitchen and keeping-room in one, had a part partitioned off for a hall, and this also contained a larder. It had a chimney and a grate. Light came in through the one window, an oriel built at the end of the hall, probably a recess with a bay window, the upper part of which alone was glazed, on account of the great expense of glass, the remainder being closed by a wooden shutter in the room below the window was the high bench sumum scamnum. before the house was a single step up to the street door and a porch covering or penthouse a door at the back led to the buttery where stood ranged six casks of wine the value of each cask being one mark a trestle table and two chairs the last valued at four pence each were the only furniture but the kitchen was well supplied with serviceable utensils there were eight brass pots not counting one broken and irons basins a washing vessel a tripod an iron cooking spit a frying pan a plate and also a small brass plate a funnel and two anchors or tubs two cellars were excavated beneath the floor opposite one another and there was a cesspool with pipes leading to it. Let us hope outside the house. A ladder gave access to the upper room, entered by a space left open in the floor. This was the solar or sleeping room. Like the rest of the house, it was timber built, but in compliance with the city's regulations, stone walls divided the dwelling from the houses on either side. The room contained a bed, on which was a mattress and there were three feather beds and two pillows a great wooden coffer stood against the wall in this were stored six blankets and one serge a torn coverlet with shields of candel a kind of thin silk eight linen sheets and four tablecloths alice the newly made wife may justifiably have looked with pride upon her well-stored press the clothes for which there were six chests were in unexpected plenty i credit alice with being a careful housewife for she had kept rather than throw it away an old fur though almost consumed by moths which duly figures in the pathetic little inventory of personal effects there were two robes of perset or peach colored cloth another of medley a third of scarlet all being furred a coat then one coat of ray, or striped cloth, and another with a hood of perset, a surcoat, another of worsted, a third with a hood of ray, and a green hood of candel. With edging, I do not attempt to distinguish the ownership of this finery, male or female. The London vintner, when he walked abroad among his fellow-citizens, or attended his guild feast, depend upon it was as finely dressed, and in colors quite as bright as was his spouse the ladies alone were the one camis a light loosely fitting dress and eight seven apes, or aprons a candlestick of a latone, an ombre cabinet or small portable cupboard and an iron hearse or frame for candles also went to the furnishing of this simple household and for luxury they had curtains to hang before the door to keep out the cold cushions and even a green carpet while for the husband's use there was a hecaton of suit of quilted leather armor and an iron headpiece the personal treasures gifts may be at the marriage or perhaps inheritance were a cup with a foot and cover of silver value thirty shillings a mazar cup and six silver spoons hugh had money too for he had lent to paul de botelier a neighbor one mark a security for which were given in pledge a surcoat and also a woman's coat for winter's warmth you le Bevere, had stacked a pile of firewood and this the city sold for three shillings coal borne by the coasting vessels to london was then much too costly for any but rich men to burn i have taken all from the records with one small license i do not know which house in the city ward of candlewick street was you les Bevers, but a house exactly as has been described was built by simon of canterbury the carpenter a few years before and he brought his specifications before the mayor and aldermen the house which he undertook to build from the ground entire down to the locks was to be paid for by william de hanactone citizen and pelterer in cash and in kind in cash by nine pounds fifty five shillings four pence also he was to give half a hundred eastern martin pelts fur for a woman's hood of the value of five shillings and fur likewise for a robe for simon the carpenter the pelterers or skinners were grouped near about cannon street ward and not unlikely Hugh Lebevere sold his wine largely to men of that trade included in the modest sum mentioned for house building a stable with solar above was thrown in end of chapter 18 recording by greg giordano newport richie florida end of unknown london by walter george bell